The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. It was evening on the day Jesus rose from the dead, the first day of the week. And the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them, although the doors were shut. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Today we celebrate this wonderful feast of the Divine Mercy of God, uh, also known as Divine Mercy Sunday. And uh, if you're familiar with St. Faustina and uh, her, her diary and the discussion of the Divine Mercy, then you know that the Lord had asked that this day be uh, commemorated in particular to his mercy, uh, that it be declared Divine Mercy Sunday. But this was not something that was unprecedented, in fact already was somewhat in existence. This Sunday was already kind of known as the Sunday of the mercy of God. Uh, and then you can see that from the readings that are chosen for today. The readings demonstrate this situation in which right after Jesus has risen from the dead, one of the very first actions that he takes, he appears among the apostles and he breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit, those whose sins you are who, uh, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So this is where we see the beginning of the sacrament of reconciliation, of confession. This is where it comes from, that Jesus appointed his apostles to have the ability to forgive sins. Now, we're, we're kind of used to this 
We're familiar in our church, you know, forgiveness of sins. We know that's a thing. We know we can be baptized and our sins are forgiven. You know, we know that we're, we're, we're kind of used to this kind of sacramental life. But I think we, we, we sometimes don't appreciate just how huge a deal this would have been and how big a deal it remains to be, you know, when we, we're accustomed to things. Because this was something that among the Israelites throughout history, there was always this problem of sin. There was always this problem in which uh, we could never be forgiven, we could never uh, fully make reparation, we could never fully atone for our sins because our sins are an offense against God who is infinite. And so how can we ever make up, especially through what they would offer is animal sacrifice, right? The sacrifices would be offered every single day. There was a continual offering before the Lord. And they would offer up sacrifices for sins and many other things as well. But there was this perpetual offering, day after day, week after week, year after year, they would continually offer these sacrifices for forgiveness of sins. And yet, it was never a point in which they were done. There was never a point in which that was enough. And they recognized, the Israelites recognized this problem, that they could never really fully make up for their sins. And so what God does is he, he brings a solution to this problem. This was all the way, goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. That in the Garden of Eden, where they had turned against God, when they had rejected God by eating of that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what they had done in that action, it's not just because God said, this is a special tree, don't eat of that tree, eat of the other trees, you know, whatever. It was because that tree symbolized and represented choosing and deciding what is right and wrong for ourselves. That's why it's the knowledge of good and evil. That in that tree, Adam and Eve essentially said to themselves, we're not going to put God first. We're not going to listen and trust in him and serve him. But we're going to serve ourselves. Right? What is it that the, the serpent tells them when it speaks to Eve and tries to tempt her? He says, do you not know? God doesn't want to eat of this tree because if you do, you'll be like him. And he's afraid of that. He doesn't want you to be like him. Well, the truth is, is that from the beginning, Adam and Eve were made in the image and likeness of God. They're already like him. They already walk in his presence. And in fact, Jesus, uh, God had put the tree of life in the Garden of Eden as well for them to eat. It was the tree from which they would receive everlasting life, to live forever in the presence of God. And yet, they go for this other tree because they don't trust God and they just choose themselves and decide, we're going to decide, I'm going to decide my own path, what I'm going to do. I'm in charge, right? It's that selfishness, that pride. And so ever since that moment, God in his mercy, he, when he cast them out of the garden, he didn't do so as an act of like, you know, these people are awful and I'm, I'm going to just make them suffer. I'm going to punish them. But rather what he said was, if, if I leave them in the garden, they might eat of the tree of life. And if they eat of the tree of life, they will live forever. Which means they will live forever in their sin. Which means they will forever be without the presence of God. 
the definition of hell. They will condemn themselves. So in God's mercy, he says, I'm going to give them time. I'm going to, I'm going to send them out of the garden so that they can learn and understand my goodness, that they can learn to trust in me and see why I am good. You know? He give, gave humanity that opportunity. And so throughout history, there was still the problem of sin continued. Continued and continued and continues today. Right? And so what God did is he had made a plan from the very beginning in that garden that he said he would send, he would send a son. Right? The son, the seed of Eve which obviously not directly her child, but it was pointing to Mary. Uh, that's a whole other thing I'm not going to get into. It's a big, long discussion. But the point was he made a promise there that he would send his son into the world who would defeat and crush the head of Satan. He would bring an end to sin. And so Jesus entering into the world on the cross by going the way of the cross... Jesus makes himself the new sacrifice. The new sacrifice for sins. Not the bloody sacrifice of the animals on the altar, but rather he would be a sacrifice which would be then given to us that we may receive on a regular basis under the guise and sign of bread and wine. It was the Eucharist. So he replaced that sacrifice with himself. And by doing so, he is able to make reparation for all of the sins of all of the world, both past, present, and future, throughout all of history. That never again do we need to offer perpetual sacrifices. His sacrifice suffices. And he brings it to us, makes present to us that sacrifice at mass. And this is the this is the beauty of this image of the divine mercy. So, you know, the additional thing if you're not familiar with Saint Faustina, she was a little Polish nun who lived some 80 odd years ago, and uh, she had these visions of Jesus and Jesus would speak to her. And she wrote them all down in a book called The Diary of Saint Faustina, so she kind of kept record of the conversations she had and one of the things that God did is he appeared to her in this manner. He appeared before her where he was standing like this and he had these rays coming forth from his heart. So you see, the clear rays are meant to symbolize water, right? The red rays are meant to symbolize blood. Now, if you remember on the cross, when Jesus was on the cross, what happened? He was pierced with a lance after he had died. And what came out? Blood and water, right? That blood and water was the waters of baptism, which do what? They reconcile us with God. They bring us not only forgiveness of our sins, but restore us to that grace and to the family of God. Lift us up and conform him and unite him in his family as his own sons and daughters. And then the blood. What is the blood? It's the blood of his sacrifice on the cross. The blood of the Eucharist. Right? We receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ in the Eucharist. So he gave us 
from his heart issued forth the sacraments of the church, issued forth the mercy of the church that we no longer would have to offer perpetual sacrifice, but we can receive the Eucharist and we can enter into the church and be forgiven of our sins and restored to his, to his sons and daughters, his family through baptism. So these are the gifts of God's mercy. And then in addition to that, on this day, we also commemorate the sacrament of confession. Because the Lord always gives us a means by which, after we've been baptized and cleansed of all of our sin, the Lord knows we're weak, we're going to sin. God's not surprised by that. You know, you might be, you might be, I can't believe I did that. God's like, I can. Why? I, I, got, I had things set up long before. I knew this was going to happen. And that is the purpose of reconciliation. Remember, as I said, you know, the, the, the sacrifices couldn't ever make up for sins. Well, what, what God did, remember, remember the time when Jesus was, went to heal a person, but before he healed them, he said, I forgive you of your sins. Your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees are incredulous. They're like, how, how can a man say sins are forgiven? You can't do that. You have no authority to do that. Only God can forgive sins. Well, the irony is Jesus is God, right? But they didn't know that. But they're right. Only God can forgive sins. No person no human person can forgive sins. Except what we see here is that Jesus, our Lord, our God, he gives the authority, he gives his authority to the apostles, which is passed down to their successors, the bishops, and passed down in turn to the priests. So that this gift is given it is the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, right? It's not my own personal power. When I'm in reconciliation, I say, I absolve you from your sins. It's not my personal power as Steve. It is the power of Christ living in me who has conformed himself to me that me as a priest, that I'm able to do so because the Holy Spirit was breathed upon me in my ordination was given to me, that authority was given to me. So this is, this is a amazing gift which we need to take advantage of. And yet, what St. Faustina said is that when, when Jesus spoke to her, he, I loved, by the way, I read through the diary of St. Faustina, I highly recommend it. It was a book that was very instrumental in the deepening of my conversion of faith, as well as even in my vocation to the priesthood. And so when I read those words of mercy, just how much the Lord said he wanted this age to be an age of mercy. He wanted us to understand that he is a God not coming into the world for judgment. He's coming into the world to forgive us. That's the whole purpose he came in. Jesus didn't come in and set up an earthly kingdom here on earth and start wandering around saying, condemned, condemned, condemned. You're all condemned. Everyone's condemned, right? Because he could have, and that was what we deserved. But yet he goes 
and dies, sacrifices his own life for us. Do you not see God's MO, you know, what, he's, what he is all about? He wants to bring us and restore us back to him. He wants to forgive us of our sins. And when we come into confession, you know, he's not there in the seat of judgment, but the seat of mercy. And it's, it's something that, one little story I want to tell you, um, it was a saint, I can't remember who it was, but she was, uh, she was another saint who had heard from the Lord. The Lord spoke to her and gave her a mission of what he wanted to do. And one of the things he desired was to have this church built. And so she goes and speaks to the bishop to let him know this is what Jesus is asking, you know, and, and so he would like to have this church built. And the bishop, as a good bishop does, he has to discern this. You know, you don't just automatically say, yeah, go for it. You have to figure out, is she just making it up? Is she, uh, is it maybe, maybe even the devil could be speaking to her and it's, you know, not coming from God. Uh, but I've got to make sure that this is genuinely divine, that this is really a message from God. So he gives a test. And this is what the church always does in these situations. There's a test. And so his test, he decided, he said, what I'd like you to do is next time Jesus speaks to you, ask him what the sins were that I confessed in my last confession. Because that's only something God would know, right? So, go ahead. So she goes back, speaks to the Lord, comes back to the bishop, and he says, so what did he say? And she was kind of nervous and looked around and said, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but um, he forgot? <laughs> and the bishop said, good. All right, we'll have the church built. Because he knew and he understood that when God forgives our sins, he wipes them out. He annihilates them. God's forgiveness is not merely just a token to us saying, you know, I'm just going to you know, let you get away with this. But he actually removes our sin, cleanses us so that our soul is restored to the sanctifying grace of God. It's, it's cleansed and healed. It's a real thing. We are transformed. So we don't have to look back and say, you know, we might remember, remember our sins. We might. You know, we might still in the world suffer the effects of our sins. But the sin itself, that action has been crossed off, taken away, eliminated. It's gone. So what the Lord spoke to St. Faustina is he said, why, why are my children so afraid? Why are my sons and daughters so afraid of my mercy? Because all I want to do is just take it away from them. I just want to restore them back to me. I want them to come home near to my heart so I can lavish my graces upon them. You know, that's all the Lord wants to do in his mercy. So he reminds us of that. Last little thing I wanted to mention is, I think also the other kind of important element that we need to really grasp to be able to come into confession, to be able to truly freely come in to reconciliation, is for us to be genuinely honest with ourselves. 
to truly look at and be willing to see our sins. Because we're afraid oftentimes, I've seen some situations where people go their whole life and you say like, you know, what, what are your sins? I don't know. I don't think I've really done anything. Lived a pretty good life. I'm a pretty good person. Or, or perhaps that a person will say, you know, my sins are too great. They're too heavy. There's no way that God could forgive them. And both of those perspectives are wrong. Both of those perspectives truly miss the mark. Because if we really believe that we have no sin and we've never really sinned in our lives, it's not that we haven't sinned, it's that we haven't taken the time to properly understand sin. It's that we haven't discerned it. We've managed to just move on in ignorance. Because sin is there, as I said. You know, we've all sinned. God's not surprised by our sins. And the other side, if we think that our sins are too great and we become so overburdened by them, we're denying God that opportunity of mercy. He can forgive your sins. You're not more powerful than him. He can do it. And so we need to have that trust and that awareness. And it also, the beauty, the other aspect of this, is the more we come to really have an awareness and understanding of our sin and we seek the mercy of God, we in turn become far more compassionate towards other people. That's why Jesus said, you know, the example he gave of, you know, someone who is forgiven little versus someone who is forgiven much, who's going to be more thankful? The one who is forgiven much. So the more that we see our sin, the more our gratefulness bounds. I can speak from personal experience that when I became more deeply aware of the sin in my life and I genuinely started becoming honest in confession and going to confession on a regular basis, it made it a lot easier to forgive other people too. When other people wounded me or other people were sinning, you know, I didn't look at them and say, you know, that's a terrible person. But rather I was like, I just want God's mercy for them. I want them to come to confession. That was actually one of the biggest motivations I had to becoming a priest is that I so desperately wanted to be able to, if I saw someone who was struggling with sin, that I could say, would you like to go to confession? We could do it right now. I can free you from your sins. They can be gone. And yet we, we become so afraid and cautious and worried when really when we come into the confessional there's no judgment there and I, I, I try to remind because I know the signs I can see I remember what it was like that I had done many times coming into confession you know when you have something that's kind of big or you're really embarrassed about and you come in and you go so you know here are my sins is this is this and something else you know, you kind of don't really want to say that one, and it's really hard to. And I try to remind people, like, don't worry. I'm actually glad you're able to come here and confess those sins. I'm not looking upon you with judgment, but I'm, I'm rejoicing with the Lord that you can be set free today. And so what we can do is really seek to be brutally honest with ourselves 
it is the most powerful, cleansing, amazing experience when you go into that confessional and you just flat out say your sins. No excuses. No trying to justify it or tell, you know, the priest about, I'm actually really good. Here's all the good things that I'm doing. But rather, here are my sins. I have done this. I have done this. I have done this. These are the ways in which I have failed. And we're honest about it. And then when you walk out those doors after absolution, you are free. Nothing's holding you back because you've let it go. We're not trying to hide it. We're not trying to, we're not afraid of it, but we rejoice in the mercy of God. And that really, I think, today is the message the Lord wants us to rejoice in his mercy, to long for his mercy, to seek out on a regular basis, not just the minimum of once a year going to confession, but to come monthly, you know, to come on a regular basis, maybe even more often than that if need be. I'll be honest with you, I go to confession about once a week. It's great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's so powerful to be able to just really unburden all of those things, even if, you know, you don't have all that much, even if it's just little minor sins. But the more we let go of those things, the more we give everything over to the mercy of God, the more we're also able to grow and change and transform to become more like Christ. Because our Lord's mercy is infinite, unending, boundless, and absolutely longing, bursting forth that the heart of Christ cannot contain his mercy. So there on the cross, it bursts forth with the blood and water pouring forth upon humanity. So desperately the Lord loves us. So let's seek out his mercy and know our sins that we may unabashedly come before the Lord and confess them and be freed from them forever.